Hello, welcome. It's yet another A Star to Steer Her By, your favorite Star Trek watching podcast. We know it is. This week, we are wrapping up season five of The Voyager and taking a little peek into whatever the first bit of, of season six is, because that's how they do. Because this season, they decided to end with another two-parter thing. Why? So, the episodes we're looking at this week for our episode 292, Ooh. Woohoo, Ooh, are going to be Warhead and Ooh. Equinox parts one and two. Ooh, nice. As always, this is Ames. As usual, this is Caitlin. This is Jake. As is frequently the case, this is Chris, and is sometimes the case. Uh, this is Carl. Hello. Oh, sweet. We have our Yay. guest star. Thanks for, good Good to see you. Good to uh, be here on the gateway to season six. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time in, in Voyager. We'll, we'll take a look at it when we hit that. But first, we're going to talk about Warhead, an exciting time for all of us. So here here's, here's what we got to know about Warhead, launching directly in. It's the night shift, and Harry gets to sit up in, in his high chair and be a big boy. <laughs> and a distress call comes in, and he immediately can't fucking handle it. So he brings a team, planet side, and they find an artificial intelligence in some kind of cute little torpedo tube that has amnesia. Sorry, buddy. The EMH instantly bonds with this thing, until it turns out that this cute little torpedo is actually a big fucking torpedo with its finger on the nuke button. Holy Cold War, Batman. Womp womp. Yikes. So Torres and Kim, they're trying to disarm this thing in sickbay. But instead of that doing that, it decides to possess the EMH, mentioned in our Possessions blog post. You check it out on uh, sshppodcast.com. And it suddenly remembers its mission. And its mission is to go blow shit up, guys, like you do when you're a warhead, like the title says. What else goes on? We pad the episode a little bit to go chat with Neelix's merchant friend, Onquanai. <laughs> who happens to know about this tech. But he's probably just going to sell it on the black market, so we're not a big fan of that. So he goes and gets himself exploded. Sorry, friend. Kim is feeling like a butt about this whole thing because it was all his fault. So he tries to reason with the warhead, who is just having fucking none of it. But they do learn that this war thing against their enemy was called off years ago. You can be a person now, warhead, just like EMH. But it still won't listen to Harry Kim because why would you? Uh, Seven tries this last-ditch last effort to infiltrate sickbay and use her nanoprobe powers, but she gets her ass knocked unconscious just in time for, like, 32 other warheads to show up and say, we want our friend. And we're like, no, you can't have your friend. You'll just blow something up. So finally, our warhead, like, happens to realize, oh, wait, Harry wasn't lying, and here's the confirmation email with my ticket stub. Dang it, I guess I have to go to this thing. I'll have to just blow up all my friends so that we don't perpetuate this continuous war and they'll never put Harry in charge again. The end. Yay. So Seven's nanoprobes, I've realized, are the modify the deflector dish of late stage Voyager. <laughs> yeah, they're using yes. everything. And yeah, like... Did you know that she could mind meld with a wall? A metal <laughs> wall? <laughs> Here, that, that, that's really what we're going to pick. So TOS, Spock just got news powers as needed. Yep, for... uh, he's, uh, 
which included uh, magical eyelids yep. and uh, not being susceptible to uh, shock, electric shock. Heart in the wrong place. Heart in the wrong place. Green blood. Uh, green yep. blood, yep. TNG uh, it was very much the deflector dish. This, it was deflector dish until they got nanoprobes. Uh, DS9, D- it was let's talk to an orb for some fucking reason. No, DS9, <laughs> it was O'Brien is the greatest engineer in history. That's actually I true. don't know, I like Caitlin's <laughs> idea of... The, Let's the, talk to an orb for some reason. Yeah, prophet ex machina there, just solving our problems for us when we get ourselves in too deep. Let's say a bit of both. Maybe O'Brien was a prophet. That explains some things. both the same thing. Oh. What would he be the orb of despair? <laughs> <laughs> the orb of suffering? Yes. It's like, Personally, I, this, this is like orbs are horcruxes and he just is. Sorry, I personally Carl. always believed that uh, O'Brien is a time lord. I can't prove that, but... Uh... He it, must be. It checks out. He seems to have a lot of lives. Mm. Yeah, I think Chris Chris brought that up a little bit in one of his recent fanfics, the Harry yeah. Kim one. Oh, yeah. Well, that that he's sort of yeah a little out of sorts because he's not quite right with time. Mm. But yeah, yeah. On the nanoprobe thing, I don't know. I think I'm okay with it. But uh, it, I wish that they had called them something other than nanoprobes. Because it just a it sounds gross, uh, but also it's just like I mean they're little tiny microscopic programmable robots, and that and that and then that kind of makes sense that they oh, can yeah. do all kinds of magical shit because you can just program them to do what you want. Oh yeah, like I said, I'm not really complaining as as we just said. There's a long line of you know magic in Star Trek. It's funny <laughs> that I realized it at some point. It's like man, they they stopped leaning on the magic deflector dish and now it's magic nanoprobes. Yeah, I think this episode also includes another magic thing used a lot in this and Deep Space Nine, which is the uh, phony sensor readings. They seem to lean on that a lot. Mm, uh, that's it true. seems, and it's weird. It seems like you shouldn't be able to do that so easily. When, yeah. when do we see easily foolable sensors? When do we see the phony sensor readings? Well, in this in this week, part of the plan is that they fool the evil EMH into um, like there's a battle going on, and that's why Seven is dinged up. Oh, right, because they're they're going through a minefield, and they right, fake that they're is. hitting yeah. mines. I was gonna say I really appreciate that summary, Ames, because I I this is one of those episodes where like the plan would not stick in my head. <laughs> I kept forgetting like why is she banged up? Oh, right, right, that's a fake, right? Okay, yeah, I, it's also interesting to me that that. I have to give the writers credit and more credit than I normally would give them here because they thought it out pretty well. Like their their subterfuge was worked and like it made sense. I think Neelix's uh, whereas... makeup job could have been more gruesome. I was hoping to see like bone. <laughs> I mean, it's network television. You can only go so far. Fair. I thought you meant that the, they only had so much money for that particular makeup, but I guess that's I mean, true. Maybe both, but I get the money's just. Well, a moot point when the sensor isn't even going to let you try. The other thing that we saw this week that isn't necessarily how we fix problems, but more like how problems get embiggened, is uh, the the bad guys taking over the doctor. Like, I feel like that kind of happens, well, a lot this week, but I feel like it's happened before. He yeah. was hide for a day, and that was a bad idea, Doc. Mmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of evil MH this week. Ah, Eve MH. No, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. No. I mean, it would just still be EMH. I know. I know. That's the problem. Uh, Stream maple ham. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) That was only for Chris. We should cut that. Probably. No, no. It'll make sense when we get to the next episode. Ugh. One of those jokes. 
dear lord. Uh, There's going to be so many, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, God, please no. It won't be as bad as Seinfeld week. <laughs> Ames really, really hates fun episodes, especially our fun episodes. Yeah, I hate your fun. You guys have the wrong kind of fun. That's My fair. fun is watching people get murdered, so... Uh, I like to go. listen to podcasts about people getting murdered, but I don't know about watching it. So, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, one thing that kind of bugged me about this episode is how patronizing and condescending everybody is to Harry Kim at the start. Harry, you can like, go on. Here. You can lead your own away mission. Don't yeah, worry, well, I'll like be here to this, fix it when it goes wrong. There's this whole scene between. Janeway and Chakotay where they're kind of like exchanging glances like they're talking to a four-year-old when when they're talking to Harry Kim it's like come on guys he's a fucking senior officer he's not you know fucking scrappy do Jesus I feel exactly. like this is a, a knock-on effect of fucking the disease hmm. where he's like Janeway's special little boy like hmm. at the time we were like are you kidding it's season five. Yeah, He's it's well very funny. Of- he he makes a comment to be like, you know, I've been on the you know, I've been on the ship for five years, and I say like everyone has Harry. That's what this ship is about. Have you watched Star Trek Voyager yet before or what? But they do seem <laughs> to kind of forget it with him this season. Yeah, and actually, actually, technically speaking, he was on another ship for a couple years, and it was also of the Voyager. Ah, yes, <laughs> but they're all dead. I mean, it was the same ship. It was split in that episode. So. No, I know. I'm just being a wise ass. Yeah, I think I, I really like Harry Kim's acting in this episode. He, I feel like he knows all this and he's sick of it. And he is beginning to try to dress for the job he wants. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to seem tougher. And uh, I, re- I did like the scene with him and the junior officers, like taking the, the piss out of each other a little bit. Mm. Like, because I feel I feel like the people close to Harry kind of know that it's time for him to advance and he knows it, but he can't. It's that thing when you're like the junior person in the company, but you can't you can't do anything. It's like, what you know, all right, how do I. All right, I'll start. I'll start carrying myself like this. I'll straighten my posture and uh, I'll just try to be less cute. I'll replace the Snoopy watch with a regular watch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It, it reminded me a little bit of Troy in Disaster, where, <laughs> you know, there's they like they, they make it a point, though, in Disaster to be like, yeah, no, she's actually kind of making bad decisions and just kind of works out by accident. But well, until she sacrifices Jordy, that's a good decision. Well, that was a different episode. That's that's a follow up episode, which is similar. Oh, okay. Disaster is the one where she where the ship, you know, is all fucked up and she's alone on the bridge with. Row and O'Brien and O'Brien has to and like Row wants to take command, but O'Brien's like, well, technically, <laughs> Troy is the boss, and and then Row is really pissed off about it. Mm. But uh, sorry, sorry Row. But like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like you take a character that that should be competent and kind of artificially make them, or at least treat them like they aren't. Yeah. Uh, and they they kind of do the same thing to Harry. The, Except this me, whole... the writers do him a favor and make it so that he actually is very competent. True. Yeah, the the whole episode, I kept thinking to myself, this should have been a Chakotay episode. We should have mm. not had the fight because we didn't need it and put Chakotay in this role because Harry was doing all things Chakotay would do. Like, go reason with the probe. That's exactly what we've seen Chakotay do before of, you know, try to talk it out, try to, you know, get get all the information you can. None of like aside from the, 
oh, people are going to treat me like a baby. None of this was really a Harry Kim story to me. Yeah, I feel like it was set up like a Harry Kim story, but then the doctor stole it, (laughs) Uh, which is always a risk with him. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and so much of the focus was on him. Like they occasionally cut to Harry, Harry trying to talk to him. But yeah, I feel like the script's focus drifted. And it's that last line, too, is like, well, you know what, Kim? Voyager could do worse than having you in command. And it's like it's like the writers being like, uh, wasn't this script about Harry at some point? Oh, yeah, I guess we should. <laughs> we should wrap right, that he, up. He learned. Yeah, he learned. He impressed people. That's right. Yeah, I'm after sure. five fucking years of impressing people in other episodes, we've forgotten yeah. all those times. Remember when mm-hmm. Harry beamed a, a, like a bomb onto a Borg cube and saved the day? No, no one remembers that. The logs got lost. This is brand new, fresh-faced Harry. Yeah, <laughs> see, I think a perfect ending to this episode would have been promoting Kim to lieutenant. That'd be nice. Right? Because the yes. whole because the whole beginning of the episode is, oh, I'm trying to take more responsibilities, because you know, taking night shifts so I can kind of come up in the ranks. And then everyone kind of agrees that yes, Harry did a great job in spite of, you know, this this situation. And I think that at the end it would have been nice if Janeway had recognized that and given him the promotion that he obviously deserves. Instead, at the end, like, they don't say anything, but that night shift pilot has the extra pip instead. No! (laughs) (laughs) While you were playing around in sickbay, I got a promotion. They put a little (laughs) pip on the the drone. Uh. Put the send the drone out with all the pips. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting character addition in this episode, was that Jenkins? Was that the name? I I can't remember. I think it was something like that. The, the, The night shift friend of Harry's who kind of seems to look up to him as as she's kind of a lower decker, I guess. How are yeah. there still people junior of Harry? It's been five years. Yeah, no one has gotten promoted. Yeah. Except yeah, Tuvok. But that was made up for by demoting Paris. Yeah, so. everybody yeah. is at status quo on there's a finite. There's a finite pool of pips. <laughs> they can't replicate new ones without spending replicator rations. So See, they could have given Tom's pip to Harry. Yeah, perfect. This is an episode, it's just so inessential to me. Like, when I was watching it, I was kind of wishing I was watching other Trek episodes on the same theme, like uh, Arsenal of Freedom or something. Dreadnought. Dreadnought was the uh, same Dreadnought. episode. Dreadnought. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was about to say, Excellent that's the Bolana one, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I was going to bring that up at some point. It's like, haven't we kind of done this sort of... Yeah. A little... And it, and it really, uh, to m- for my money, like, the f- the fight is better than this. Really? Uh, You're kidding me. It, it's more interesting to watch than this. Fucking and disagree. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I'm going to give this one an edge simply mm-hmm. because of Picardo's performance. That's a good point. I also give this one, one an edge because there's no fucking dream sequences. <laughs> okay, but to be fair, Robert Beltran was trying his best with absolute shit on... Uh, Fair. Well, we'll he fight. did his best on this episode oh, yeah. and rocked it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he, he is. I would watch him read the phone book. He's he <laughs> is just that compelling automatically. Yeah. And like, I think comparing this to to Dreadnought is, I think, the I mean, that's the thing, right? Like that this is an identical episode, just with more EMH yeah. in this one. Dreadnought even had Torres's voice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Dreadnought's a lot cleverer, honestly. Like one thing that I think holds this back is the the AI doesn't really have that much of a personality whereas the Juggernaut AI kind of does. Like, well, you know. So so the perfect foil for a 
jingoistic, war-hungry American politicians. Just angry. That's all we Jordan. got. Just rage. Yeah. Just well, blow it up. This I also John, think... This was John McCain as a warhead. <laughs> I, well, I, the other thing I, I like better about Dreadnought is that is that the missile in that episode was sent by Bilana. So there's right. the, there's there's higher stakes because in, in this case, it's like, all right, some unknown aliens that we'll never meet are trying to annihilate some other unknown aliens we'll never meet. And don't even learn the name of. And don't even learn the name of. And and Voyager, Voyager just kind of gets into the middle of this. And that's fine. And like Janeway could very easily just be like, yeah, no, no, we're going to release you and let you go on your merry way and destroy whoever you want. But of course, Starfleet. But at least in Dreadnought, there was this sense that this bad thing is happening and it's my fault, right? I sent this thing and 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 now I have to fix it. Yeah. If we had disarmed this warhead, there's 32 other warheads on their way. And here's where, where maybe you guys can help me figure out this timeline. Because I got a little lost of how long have these warheads been traveling? Because it sounds like three years ago, the war ended. But at some point between three years ago and today, 34 of them got unleashed. And then they yeah. had to send a, oh, wait, no, our mistake. Please cancel yourselves. Like frantic message to them. Two of them crashed into a planet, one of whom an utterly destroyed itself. The other just nestled nicely in a rock. Whilst the other 32 never got the message? Like, what well, happened? No, they, they, okay, so the timeline, you're right on the timeline. The, okay. the war ended three years ago, and the 34 missiles were launched accidentally. It was like a malfunction that okay. launched them. So they've Good only been flying for a short time. Good thing your intergalactic ballistic missile system is so easily glitched out, guys. <laughs> well, there was uh, so there's there's actually like a historical, real life kind of precedent for something like this. There was a, oh, yeah. a Soviet system called the Dead Hand mm. uh, that was essentially a dead man switch that if it would if it thought it detected a missile launch would automatically start. Preparing to launch missiles. Oh God! What qualifies as think this is a missile? Well, launch? that's the thing, right? Like we're talking like about like nineteen seventies tech or something, you know, like stuff that's not exactly uh, not, top of the line today. So not just nineteen seventies tech, nineteen seventies Soviet tech. Yeah, and it's and from my understanding, there are there were several, or at least at least one close call where that system. Almost went off, and I think even the Soviets are like, "Yeah, we should probably not do this." Christ. So yeah, so it's almost like something. Maybe there was something like that where the aliens had a, a dead man switch, and there was some glitch that the thought it was under attack, and or like Whopper. Remember Whopper from uh, War Games? Same thing. I've never actually seen War Games. Mm -hmm. Oh, War Games is a remember. great film. And these aliens were also using Soviet tech. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, parallel it, it, development. Yeah, yes. short, short, short version of war games. The U.S. government puts their nuclear arsenal at the hands of an AI. Whoopsie! And then a kid hacks into it. Was thinking this the that Fred Savage movie? Is no, no, no this is yeah. Matthew Broderick. Yes, yes. Yeah, a kid hacks into into the thing, thinking that it's a video game, <laughs> and then fools the computer into thinking that it's under nuclear attack. Because it's so it fun. Starts, so it's like, oh, shit, I'm under nuclear attack. I'm going to launch the missiles now. Bye. 
Anyway, um, which which came first, War Games or Ferris Bueller? Ooh, War Games, I think. I think he's younger in that. Yeah, yeah. You, you need Ferris Bueller to calm down after War Games. Yeah, I think. But the other Tames, your other question though about um, why the other ones didn't get the yeah. message, they yeah, did. Yeah. But there was a point of no return, and it sounds like thirty-two of the missiles had already crossed the point of no return, after which they can't be called back. And because when when the when our warhead was talking to them and trying to convince them, no, 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 our orders got canceled. You should turn home. They were like, yeah, yeah, we got that order, too. But we were already past the point of no return. So we're we can't we can't turn back. So they got further out than our warhead did. Yeah. So our warhead must have been just before that him and his buddy. And they're like, "Okay, we'll just go crash into this planet harmlessly. What doesn't really make sense, though, is on the one hand, they got ahead of them. On the other hand, they seem to just kind of be hanging out until they detected the other warhead, at which point Mm. they suddenly went into warp. Like, there's definitely something going on with the rest of those warheads that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Or it's just part of the glitch. Mm. Uh, I believe believe the evil doctor ordered Janeway to change course to where he knew the warheads were. I thought he had her change course to his target planet. Um, I think we saw at some point, and here's another option. I think we saw all of the other warheads f- notice Voyager in a in like a little program, a little atlas yeah, they had, like, and yeah. then they decided to go there. Yeah. Well, I think generally Voyager is a lot faster than the warheads, even though they have warp. I, I imagine they don't go warp, you know, nine or whatever that Voyager does. That's so, true. So war. So Voyager, even though. Our warhead was behind his friends at the start. Voyager caught up and overtook them, and then they probably were like, "Oh shit! There's our friend. He's our, he's he's ahead of us. We should speed up and catch up to him." Yeah, this accidental launch, I guess, just could have been way more recent than I think I realized. I think it was. I think I think it's I think it's very recent actually. I think it's probably within days, if not hours. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I know when we find warhead on that planet he has sent out some kind of distress signal because he has forgotten who he is and thinks he's just a guy which is a really weird ai to give your missile it's very it's fascinating i like it like i get you know you want to have an ai so it can make clever decisions and such but I, i like i feel like having it be like oh god why can't i feel my arms and legs it's like even if it forgets exactly who it is, like, it should know it never had arms or legs. Like, why was it programmed to wonder where stuff it never had was? Because he this... broke fully. <laughs> yeah. This is exactly what would have made it interesting to me. Like, I feel like th- those scenes with Picardo and uh, talking to the warhead are, are just so flat <gasps> for me. No, they're best friends that, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I ship them hard. <laughs> they're buds. Oh, they could hang out. Yeah. Well, just compared to like, I remember that Deep Space Nine episode where Odo was relating to like a young changeling and it was so good. Oh, the little blobby blob. And this is, yeah, oh, the blobby blob. Episode. And this just didn't didn't match it for me. But, you know, one thing that this episode brings up is that it seems to hint that, like, AI might be inherently empathic. And I wonder if you thought that was true. Obviously, you know, we've got a lot of AI chatbots going Mm. around lately. True, true. But, like, are they, um, like, we know these things, like, just grab what's around them and reshape them into patterns. But, like, can you, do you automatically become empathetic 
if you do that enough. No. I also I also liked how <laughs> vain Warhead is when, you know, EMH is talking to him. And he says, no, no, yes. no, you're really cute. You're a very attractive little torpedo. And Warhead's like, okay, good, I'm glad. What kind of body yeah. are you going to give me when I'm a hologram? I hope I'm going to be hot. <laughs> You'll be super hot. The See, hottest See, that again, Warhead. though, like that's, that's, you know, what Chris, what Chris said, like that's, like why is it defaulting to that? Like I'm legitimately curious. I wonder if it's just... Like some kind of general AI that got loaded into the warhead. And they just oh. tacked on a warhead subroutine. That yeah, kinda... like maybe that like because that's that's sort of, you know, something that, you know, people talk about on in terms of like AI ethics, mm. uh, you know, in the present day where it's like, OK, so you can create AIs for very specific things. You can take it. You can create an AI to generate artwork. You can create an AI to generate sound, you, can get, you know, or conversations or whatever. But sort of the holy grail is the general AI that just mimics human brains. And learns. Learns, and learns shit. And people say, well, at, at that point, you've basically created life or potentially, right? You've created something that, that can think for itself and experience its own reality. So maybe that's what the AI in the Warheads are. It's just a gen a general AI that is basically a human, and it just has been specifically programmed to do this this one task. But other than that, it's still fully capable of of learning and, and experiencing. That would yeah, that would make sense. That makes a lot of sense. I would buy that. But yeah, to your point, Carl, uh, I was reading very recently an article about this guy was trying to make a um, true virtual Twitch streamer. Hmm. In that it was like hooked up to a chat bot that would learn and respond. And the problem, like so many of these things, is it it's hooked up to the Internet. Yeah. It, it instantly became a yes. Nazi. No. Yes. Yes. No, that really it got banned from Twitch for hate speech. Oh, I remember wow. that. that this was yeah. like a couple weeks ago as of recording. So like, uh, yeah, answer your question. <laughs> AIs are not automatically empathetic, at least if you hook <laughs> them up to the Internet. Do not right. do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, you know, the, the, the one kind of cool part of this episode is when, you know, Harry says, look at Seven, look at she's banged up. You did that. You're going to do that to all these other people. Like, that's mm. like, would that work? And I, I think, I mean, you're right. I mean, maybe an AI would either be like an empath or like a complete sociopath. <laughs> maybe those are the only two, two choices. Extremes. Nothing yeah. in between. I mean, it depends on the data you give it really right uh, yeah and that's a yeah. part of it for this certainly is like actually being given a body to tootle around in probably helped i thought yeah, you just yeah. said chris a daddy see now uh, here's okay i'm gonna tell you what i think it's a totally different episode but what i think would have been a much more interesting episode so we start out pretty much the same we bring the warhead on is it still harry kim in charge it's, it doesn't matter. What? Somebody's in charge. <laughs> Chakotay's because in charge. It's, it's, God damn it's it. Because it's actually not going to be a Harry Kim episode. It's going to be a EMH episode. And I know we've already had a lot of those, but bear with me. So EMH, as we saw in the beginning, kind of bonded with the thing. And then they succeed in loading it into a, ho a new holographic body separate from the doctor. There's no longer a mind possession situation. It's just another AI. Is he hot? Sure. Yeah. It looks <laughs> Maybe it's even a lady. I don't know. Who knows? It can be whatever. It's Mark um, Alamo. But here, but yes, it's Mark Alamo uh, in With full neck. Ducat makeup. Um, <laughs> so and Bolana is, is really pissed off about it. No, but so that all happens. And then the, and the, and the AI learns about, oh, I'm, I'm a missile. Like, 
that that makes me sad because I'm a good guy. I should I'm nice. I I don't I don't want to be an object of destruction. And then they find out that there's the 32 other missiles that are still heading towards the other planet and now the object is EMH working with missile to try and convince or otherwise stop the other missiles and then it becomes like an AI an AI uh ethics sort of episode. And then in the end, you can still have it so that like, oh, shit, we've tried everything and we're all out of ideas. The last thing we can do is put the AI back into the into the missile and he'll. That's a little that's kind of like drone, though, from earlier this season. Yeah, with with our friend one. That's that's basically drone now. Hmm. Dang it. (laughs) I guess there's nothing you can do with this episode that doesn't result in just copying another episode. Another better episode. (laughs) They like, it's three days before the end of the season. They realize, oh, we forgot. It's 26 episodes, not 25. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Which episode can we redo? <laughs> yeah, they they uh, flipped uh, a coin between right drone chaotica. and uh, and and uh, dreadnought, and, and, and it, it landed, landed on edge. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and just for fun, That's they it. threw in a little bit of that brainwashed soldier Chakotay episode. Oh, yeah. Nemesis! <laughs> yeah, I've, I heard a lot of that. Anytime it was like we have to go destroy the enemy, I'm like, you you have to destroy Nemesis, your Nemesis. <laughs> uh, the lesson of this is just the EMH is not allowed. To make holographic friends, it never ends well. Oh, poor thing. Uh, Freya, his, his, yeah, Freya was, yeah, it didn't work Freya out. Freya Mer- was was killed. Uh, his little, you know, alien data hologram buddy was a fucking psychopath. Fuck, what else was there? I feel like there was another one I was thinking of. Well, his wife and kids. Right. Yes, his family was a disaster. I'd say the uh, one exception though is uh, the Vidian. Uh, Denara oh, Pell. Denara Pell, who. Uh, who is a good person. But might be dead now. But might be dead now. No, no, Either. the think tank cured them. They're fine now. No, no, we, we even before that episode, we were positive she was executed by the Vidians for helping them that time. Oh, God, you're right. Oh, yeah, the no, poor thing. Dead. Yeah, no. No, 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 no hollow friends for the doctor. Oh, and uh, from earlier this season, Lizard Doctor there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, just turned yes. out to be Space Mangala. I mean, Mangala, uh, yeah. And I guess you could also maybe count uh, his holographic seven <laughs> from uh, oh, someone God. to watch over me. That was uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, Sh- uh. shades of uh, of uh, Jordy there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, a uh, little little tidbit I I noticed. Uh, I don't know if if anyone else saw this, but I looked up Ensign Jenkins because I thought she was familiar. Oh, I didn't look she, her up. She wasn't at all. It turns out she's not oh, doing anything I know. Aside from several episodes of this and a few other things, but she's actually White Michael Westmore, Westmore or Westmoreland, one of their main makeup people. He, she's his kid. I think it's just Westmore. Oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds right. Michael Westmore. She's, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Why didn't they put her under a lot of makeup? Yeah. <laughs> Good I mean, question. I, I, it's funny. I I just found it so odd in a way to introduce a character who you know anytime a random crew person gets lines. It's like, okay, this person's going to be a focus of the episode or they're going to die. Like th- those are the two, those are the two options. But in this case, she's just there. She's just there. And yeah. she's on- only there at the very beginning and the very end, which I assume were just probably filmed on the same day. Probably. So, certainly. so she probably only got called in once. Yeah. yeah Cause they use that set once and then you leave. <laughs> yeah. I think she still had more lines than Ayala at this point. Who's been in more episodes. Yeah. I'm starting to notice him everywhere. Yay! 
Well, I could I could use more stuff like that. You know, the lower decks kind of episodes are great, but I, I like this kind of idea of the junior staff being distinct from both the lower decks and the uh, like the middle class of the ship. Mm. Yeah, perhaps like that could be interesting. Yeah, if it wasn't like probably a scheduling nightmare slash expense, it would be nice to have like you know just semi-recurring minor crewmates who show up every just a couple times oh a boy. season. I, I will complain yeah. about that and when we talk about this next episode, so oh boy. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they got all those new Equinox crews. Well, we'll We're going to we'll see get them there. so much. I have one more thing I want to bring up on this episode first before we get there, and this will segue nicely, so here we go. What did you guys think about our newest friend on Kwanai, the merchant who blew oh, up? I, <laughs> I thought he was fine, He just, but he was like... Uh, <laughs> Your so generic, sleazy. Your generic sleazy merchant that, of, of whom we've seen dozens. So many, yeah. Yeah, I really liked his makeup, though. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I've already forgotten what he looked like. It was bluey, I exactly. think. Exactly. This, this episode resists memory. <laughs> like, there's a moment. <laughs> it's like it's that episode that with Chakotay and the, and, the, and the woman that... that Unforgettable, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unforgettable. <laughs> or or the, like when the EMH was losing his memories because people were fucking with his programming. Exactly. Or it's like it's like Beverly being the last person on the Enterprise. <laughs> yes. And characters disappearing. There's a there is a uh, line every time I watched it. Uh, what was it? Tom Paris going, uh, OK, but I guess asking me to give you a bumpy ride is like asking a virtuoso oh. to sing off key. And Shut every up, time Tom. he says that, it like kicks my head out of the episode. <laughs> like I immediately start thinking about laundry. <laughs> which is why i keep forgetting the plan because that's why they they explain the plan i yeah. like to think that somewhere in the background balana was rolling her eyes yes <laughs> it, it was such a bad line it curled her hair i like oh. the hair do that though oh yeah. i hate it it's a mess <gasps> no i like it it's wavy she looks like she in paris just did some rough fuck on the on the hollow suite and then she hasn't fixed it since that's right. I very much. I, I've looked up the merchant. Uh, I'd yes. forgotten his look, but I very much liked his blue suit. I remembered that. Oh yeah, the blue suit was good. This is also our friend Steve Dennis, who we've seen a bunch of times. He played both Night Aliens. Uh, he played Spenum oh. back in Think Tank, and also he's going to play Crewman Thompson in Equinox, which we're going to discuss. Wow. <laughs> oh Crewman shit! Thompson? Which one is that? What? I said Crewman Thompson. Which one is that? He is one of the extras who has, I think, a couple lines. Oh, is he that rando blue shirt? Oh, good question, Chris. Rando blue shirt. The one who suddenly has some lines at the very end. I think that's much. him. Yeah, I think that's him. But what are, what are we talking about in Equinox? Let's move on. So Equinox, holy shit. We open on the USS Equinox, a Nova class starship. They're so cute. So Read our blog post. <laughs> We have a blog post on Starfleet ships uh, at sshpodcast.com. Check it out. Uh, I remember really liking Nova class. And this ship is getting its ass handed to it by nucleogenic mm-hmm. slimers. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> so yet again, we've got the Voyager answering a distress call. And they come in and they save them from monsters. And we learn that the Equinox has also been pulled into the Delta Quadrant some number of years ago by the caretaker. What a coincidence. They couldn't have thought of another reason to have somebody in the in the Delta Quadrant. But while Voyager has mostly been able to withstand enemies and uphold the Prime Directive-ish, so Janeway claims, mm. uh, the Equinox basically gets KO'd everywhere it goes, and its crew just don't give a fuck anymore. So we meet our crew. We meet Captain Ransom, who is barely sane. We meet First Officer Burke, who used to bang Torres quite a lot. 
We meet Ensign Gilmore, who is just leaking PTSD all over the place. Crewman Lessing, who is also a character. Uh, <laughs> and, and the rest. There's Here very on Killigan's Equinox. Yes, there's very few of them left because they've been getting killed all over the place. I think at top of episode, there's only 12 or something. But yeah, they're doing a great job. And something is immediately fishy about the Equinox crew. And we learned that they've been turning the Slimers into some kind of fuel, you know, when they're not getting murdered to death by them. So Janeway confines the whole Equinox crew to quarters to think about what they did. However, there's also an Equinox EMH who trades places with our EMH. And he's now evil again. Evil EMH is all around. Uh, And he helps everybody escape. So the Equinox crew steals the Voyager's field generator. They kidnap Seven just for fun. And they leave the Voyager to get killed by aliens like fucking chumps end part one. Begin part two. We're just going to launch in because it's a two-parter and that's what we do. So the chumps are getting killed by aliens like they do. (laughs) And Janeway is going full like Captain Ahab wanting to hunt down Ransom. And Chakotay is there trying to convince her that getting the Slimers... To stop killing us all the fucking time should be the higher priority. And she says, no, Ransom is a bad guy, Chakotay. How do you not understand that this is the priority? Boo. Meanwhile, on Equinox, they're hiding in some kind of planet because Seven has knocked knocked, uh, down their super duper warp drive thing. And she's the only one who knows the codes. So Ransom turns off our EMHs, ethical subroutines, to torture them out of her, which was gross. But Janeway finds them in their little planet atmosphere. She kidnaps a couple crewmen and she decides, I'm going to torture these guys. Torture all around. Uh, And she fires Chakotay for literally having any fucking morals at all. Typical Janeway move. Equinox gets away anyway. Janeway finally relents. No thanks to that no good Chakotay, mind you. To go talk to the aliens. So we chat with the Ankari, who are these rhinocerosy looking people who I liked. And they put us in a group chat with the aliens. And all they, all they really want to do is they want to kill the Equinox. We're like, fine. Deal. Ransom, meanwhile, has been hallucinating six. Oh, I mean, seven. Nah. I, don't know, I don't know why I said six. <laughs> uh, in his little beach scene Windows desktop thing. Took me a second. Aha! And uh, his guilt finally leads him to relent. And that's when Burke decides to mutiny because we forgot about him for a little while there. And oh no, he's got the, uh, I I call him the Equi-EMH. Equi-EMH? Equi-MH. Yeah, yeah. Equi-MH. He's been giving them all the intel from Voyager. And somewhere in the chaos, Gilmore, who I had also forgotten about, uh, she helps ransom kind of escape but not really escape because there's a lot going on in this episode but anyway he contacts with the voyager to negotiate his surrender and janeway is like urge to kill fading fading (laughs) fading rising fading fading (laughs) classic and she beams over who else is still alive which is no longer burke who got himself aliened to death uh and ransom needs to stay on the equinox to blow it up just to rub it in Janeway's wounds a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and now that that's all over, we've got all these new crew members to add. And we'll ever see them again. Thanks, Voyager. The I end. Mean, Janeway basically says, we're putting you down in, in the shit shoveling room. So I'm not surprised we don't see them again. Only I'm disappointed. Once. Shame on me. What, what, what was his name? Not Lemuel. 
Um, Lenning, Lemmings? Lannister, Lessing? Len- Lessing? Lessing. Lessing. Black guy? It, it's, it's funny you made that six reference because he apparently shows up in Battlestar. Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. Is, he is a, a large yep. character. I mean, this uh, whole episode is just Battlestar Galactica. Carl knows what I'm yeah, talking about. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the yeah, reason he, I asked not, Carl to be on. I, I wondered about that. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah Without he, spoiling he be, for Chris and Caitlin, but I think we can do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, he will be he will be on season two of Battle Space. I mean, uh, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and uh, shameless plug. He's also <laughs> you can plug uh, it. The, you can plug it, Carl. Plug they, it every uh, time. Th- they deleted my uh, shame routines. <laughs> um, Good. He was also in. We covered on my show. Uh, what was it? Sh- Sh- Soldiers of the Empire. Oh he was yeah, a yeah. Uh, yeah. He was. Yeah. I wrote his name down. He was. He was Cornan. the guy who was like Cornan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the guy who like freaked out and started a fight in the galley. Yeah, he was the younger guy. Uh, yeah. And here he's he's the opposite. He's like Mr. Serene. I yeah. liked him a lot in this. I it makes me really fucking wish that he ever goddamn came back as a character because I'm yeah, so frustrated. Exactly. He in particular, I think of the Equinox crew, he is the least well written. Not because, you know, obviously that that scene of him resisting torture is great mm-hmm. but it's also like we don't really know you know the the one i really do like this two-parter but we do kind of we it would do do well if we could have more uh, of their unique perspectives like we mm. we kind of get gilmore's and, and no one else's like like did yeah. lessing break just because he was scared or did he break because he was like you know what i'm i'm now i'm i'm reminded of uh how how bad i am how bad what I've done is, you know, we just don't know. I know. It's frustrating. Yeah. And like, the, so the thing I find most interesting about this episode is that the the Equinox crew, you know, they're Starfleet. They don't start out as evil. Right. Hmm. Um, they're pushed re- to evil they're by their circumstances. There. Yeah. And like, and it's interesting, Voyager, you know, and Ransom bring this up, brings this up. It's like, you know, Voyager has the luxury of having made it this far in the Delta Quadrant more or less unscathed. Um, because it's a tougher ship. This because it's a, a tougher science, ship. It's a tiny, cute little science yeah. vessel. Well, it's- yeah, so like Voyager not only has superior shields and weapons, it also has the best defense of all, plot armor. Yeah. <laughs> so it's made it this far and really not gotten banged up too bad, whereas they're this little... You know, basically, O Birth 2.0. <laughs> exactly what I was gonna say. It's um, like this is this is the replacement for the O Birth, and it is yeah. treated as such. Yeah, exactly. So it just gets fucking destroyed the minute it gets to the Delta Quadrant. So by the time they come across uh, the Slimers, like they're kind of like, oh, maybe this is a thing. And and do I think that Janeway or a better, just a better captain in general would have maybe not gone that far? Probably. Like, Ransom clearly isn't the best captain of, of all, but I can kind of see how they took that leap from, oh, we can exploit these animals and turn them into to fuel because, hell, we do that on Earth all the fucking time, so why not? Well, see, but ours well, we have already been... Hmm. Ours have already been dead for millions of years. Well, there's not just that, though. I mean, even, okay, so maybe not fuel for our engines, but certainly fuel for our bodies. Yes, yes. Uh, no, that's, meat is, like, bad in Star, I guess, you know, maybe it depends on the, uh, on which version of Star Trek, but I, yeah. I remember, hmm. like, I believe we've, meat is one of those things we were supposed to have evolved beyond. 
We no longer enslave animals for food. Right. They're all yeah. voluntary yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. What? Like those like those things from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes, that thing. <laughs> we just all eat Pete Davidson. Yes. I forgot about that. But uh but yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me that to get this perspective, it's sort of like Bizarro Voyager. Hmm. Well, it, it's also like it's Voyager, I mean, minus the massive ethical corruption because i doubt they would have let that happen but it it's sort of part of the original idea you know like it's kind of been patched together with stuff they found over the course of their journeys and things like that i mean it's patched together you know it's bridge is is part intrepid part uh sovereign i Mm -hmm. think yeah it looked yeah i think this is a kit bash between the the enterprise e bridge and the and the voyager bridge yeah it it is some excellent bridge chaos in this episode The thing that I, I don't think that I would be interested to know is at what point did Ransom find out that the creatures were self-aware? Because it implies that they knew the entire time. And if if that's the case, what's interesting, you know, you're, you're right. They are pushed to evil in a way. But I feel comfortable saying, like, I would not do that yeah. if I were in their shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Like like this is and and Janeway, you know, one of the things I love about the Janeway performance in this is like she gives no no quarter. Like she has perfectly justified anger in that scene. You know, this is like this is like imagine if you you found out there was a serial killer in like your your uh archery club or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like how dare you? How dare and, and he's like, you know, my crew, they were just following orders. And she's like, their loss. Yeah, I yes. love that. That was that was <laughs> yes. great. I mean, because yeah, no, I, I absolutely hundred percent agree on that. I love that line. Yeah. Yeah, they should have mutinied, but then they would have just done it harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm That's wondering a- though, like so we know that he lost half of his crew right yeah. in the right first at the week. Start, yeah. In the first week. I wonder how many of those that were left tried to be like no we probably shouldn't torture these animals to to get food because that's really horrible and i want like i wonder if there were any i wonder if the ones that are left are the ones that were okay with it i think so i mean first of all this would be a this is a cult situation waiting to happen like without even like ransom trying to make it that way like you know you're the captain your job is to be mr uh inspirational mr fix it you gotta be you gotta be the uh you know, the leader, get everyone home and like, don't think about this too hard. You know, we won't go home if you think about this too hard. Well, it's also like, you know, we always talk about the Voyager, a smaller ship, a scout ship, things like that. But like, you know, Ransom, like we said, was the captain of an Oberth effectively. Like he's even more out of his realm than Janeway was supposed to have been, you know? Yes. Like, the Intrepid's not really made for this, and her mission wasn't going to be something like this, but his was going to be even less like this. Mm. You know, he was supposed to go to a planet, probably stay in orbit of it for months to a year to who knows how long, and then putter back to the nearest starbase, like... And say, look at these plants we found. <laughs> yeah, like, this is a guy who was like, yeah, we'll make you the head of a science ship, but dear God, we would never put you in charge of a real vessel with tough decisions. Yeah. And I so. think you see that in the performance, too. Like, he looks scared all the time. I believe he has PTSD. Like, I'm, I'm making that yeah. up in my head, but, like, yeah, yeah, it, it. It, like he, just look at, like, he looks like if you touch him, he will eat you. Well, they say his, you know? his normal tactic when, when a problem arises is to hide. Like when they yeah. they review his file and they say when there were Romulans he went and hid in a nebula when there were 
Klingons, he went and hid in a gas giant. Like, this is what he does because he he does not have the tools right. or perhaps the, the sanity sometimes or, you know, yeah. the, the thing that makes a real captain of a bigger ship a captain of a bigger ship. Yeah. yeah. And again, you know, he's been given, you know, one of the most explodable ships in the fleet. Mm. Of course you're going to. I'm sure before he was given the Equinox, he maybe had an O-Birth. Who knows? And they were like, just so you know, if this thing takes the slightest ding, it will go up like a Yugo. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's it's a science vessel. So it's not it not just like equipped in terms of weapons and shields and things like that, but also the crew. The crew yeah. that's on this ship is going to be primarily scientists. Mm-hmm. And most, you know? Yeah, there were a lot of blue shirts running around. So in terms of like if, if they were to have to engage an enemy in battle, they're not trained enough probably to to even know like the tactics that they would need to to use to actually fight so yeah hiding makes the most sense yeah and it's funny when you think I, I this just occurred to me now but like for him you know a guy who was sort of a lifelong scientist being given command of a science vessel that makes sense that's a reward meanwhile though his first officer sounds like was a borderline washout you know yeah it's like this is where we stick the command candidates who just squeaked by so we don't want to put them on a real ship yeah this that, <laughs> don't keep like, an eye on thing. the scientists that guy seems like a real scumbag. <laughs> like he, I don't think he, he doesn't seem like someone who was driven to be a scumbag by circumstances. He just seems like he was always kind of a scumbag and the, and the circumstances just brought it out. Now we've yeah. learned that Balana traded way up. Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> but it's also, it also like uh, it, teenage Balana does not sound like a great person. <laughs> like I feel I'm, like Balana has, has matured. Sure. Well, you oh, know, I, I do think Max looks like a former bad boy. I mean, mm. you know, he, you can see it. Yeah, like him and Tom are definitely cut from similar cloth. Yeah. It actually does put Tom in a new light, doesn't it? Like, you, you sort of wonder, like, why would she like this guy? And it's like, oh, he's he has a lot of the qualities, but he's not, like, ruthless and vicious. Yeah. <laughs> also doesn't call her a sandwich. Yeah. Call her a sandwich. Although I did, I found that, I, I did kind of find that endearing oh did you i found it annoying oh i I mean it's a terrible nickname but i laughed my ass off it made me think of that uh thing that was going around the internet a while ago where this woman was on she went onto reddit and was like my boyfriend has been trying to come up with a an endearing nickname for me and they have all been terrible and for some reason (laughs) he has taken to calling me tony pizza it seems to have stuck (laughs) i don't even like pizza that much i don't want to be tony pizza what do i do those involuntary nicknames are the, the worst. Yeah, I mean, the thing I'll say about it is I don't like it in terms of a nickname for Bellana. I I find it endearing that that somebody else thought it was a good nickname. And like in the writing staff or in world in the show? In world, in oh, world. Oh, God. And, and that, like, the reaction that Tom has to learning it. And he's, and he's just like, that is the stupidest <laughs> nickname I've ever heard. Like you can tell that that's his thought process when when he's like BLT. Really, uh, I'm well, a that's mi- the like, stupidest one until Harry calls him Turkey Platter. 
Yes. I, wanted, I love that. I, I got to say, that was the moment uh, when, when he said turkey platter, that was the moment that I was convinced that he was ready to take command. <laughs> I wanted, Give him you know, a that for that. Previous episode, it was okay. You know, he, he just sort of, you know, just calmly re-explained stuff. But coming up with turkey platter on the moment, I wanted Janeway to come in and go, that was your final test. And you <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant. Congratulations, Lieutenant. Yeah. How, <laughs> how good at fucking is that guy, though? That younger Balana did not instantly break his neck the first time he called her BLT. Hmm. It's a mystery. I mean, she must have liked him. Right? Weird. And she lets him keep doing it. And I'd like to point out, mm-hmm. when he's kind of making a pass at her later on in the engine room, she's just oh, like, yeah. it's, it's been so long, not I'm with Tom now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes them like three excuses to even get to Tom. And Paris. he's the one that brings yeah, it up. Yeah, he mentions it. Yeah, remember Tom? And she's like, oh, yeah, that oh. guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that's... So that that kind of... There's another level here, though, that that scene kind of reveals about this guy is that he's kind of charming or at least not i mean not to us but to people in universe he's charming and charismatic enough that like yeah he can kind of win you over or win balana over and if we believe that balana could be potentially won over by this guy what does that say about the crew of the of the uh equinox who is also now like a bunch of people get killed following this guy has he kind of been like pulling the strings the whole time? I wonder. Like, I did, wonder did he... how much. Like, because because I don't like ransom could very well be a pushover. He seems it. Yeah. You know, even when we see them on the planet, like the flashback where they first find out about the Slimers, mm. like it's Max who's got his tricorder out. And it's like, oh, oh, yes. we could use these things. That actually, that really does kind of shift a lot about this episode if you assume he's been kind of just worm tonguing in ransom's ear this whole time yeah it's it's good i I like the scene where uh you know they're about to figure out the life forms in astrophysics ransom clams up but but it's max who says you know what you could do we could uh, create this thing that we that i secretly know we already created (laughs) and uh maybe that would hold it we could examine it Mm. yeah I wish I thought of this earlier, because that really just shifts so much of the the understanding of this. My big question, like, I sort of spent part two waiting for Max to do the the mutiny, and Mm. it's over in like 30 seconds. It's also very late. It's very late. And I was like, why would they follow him? They've been been following Ransom. And there's this big tasty ship that has more food. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I got to imagine it's just like they're shocked. Like at this, a lot of them are still just like doing whatever the loudest person in the room tells them to do. Yeah, like yeah. they've been out, but, like, we, uh, we can only assume they've been out in the Delta Quadrant longer than the Voyager because if it was the caretaker that dragged them in, it must have been earlier. Yeah, yeah. So they've been through a lot. Yeah. And I think at this point it becomes, because, you know, I also wonder like, just join the Voyager. You'll get home when you get home. You'll have supplies and food and a hot shower, which sounds real nice, guys. Yeah. And the, their thought is, no, it's us against the world, and we, we're kind of this unit. But they know that once Janeway finds out about the, the Slimers, she's going to roast them. She's not going to give them all the—she's not going to trust them. And— uh, 
you all know, the more I've, reason to leave the ship behind and just go with Voyager, because then they yeah. will find out, you know? You know, it's mm. Gilmore. Gilmore was all about it. She was ready to jump ship, spill right. the beans, and Mary then she found Chakotay out. Marry and have all his babies. <gasps> yeah, she was so into him so quickly. But then fucking Naomi Wildman showed up, and she's like, oh, there's a gross kid on board. Never mind. <laughs> so basically exactly what Ames or I would have done. Yeah, Which thanks, is so Naomi. funny. Because I actually thought the, the quick Naomi scene was actually a good use of Naomi. <laughs> which was, I will almost well, never it was say. Brief. It was brief, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, it was a fine scene, but I just, I just wanted to say, you know, she was like, oh, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe a newer, if a, a ballsier move, going back to the, to the uh, mutiny, hmm. would have been if, I can't remember his last name because they called him Max throughout the episode. Burke. But Max. Burke. Burke. I'm going to keep calling him Max. That's fine. Would be if Max had just shot Ransom Ooh, as damn. part of the mutiny and then basically turned the phaser to everybody else. Like, anybody else? I'm taking command. Anybody else have a problem with this? And Oh, jeez. And then you don't have... You kind of lose that that redemption. I mean, you get the redemption because he tries to, to turn the ship back over. But, yeah. but you don't have that like last moment with him you know, at the end, which is kind of nice. But then that puts it on the... Uh, can't remember her name. Uh, Gilmore. 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 That kind of puts la, it on la, Gilmore la, to la, la, la. unhappy Gilmore. La, yeah. La, <laughs> la, uh, la. Sorry. So uh, so now Gilmore has to be the one on her own. Yeah, and uh, then she can be more of a character because literally at the end of part two, when she suddenly stands up and says, "I'm actually with you, Ransom," I'm like, "I forgot you were a character." <laughs> right. I think the yeah. one thing we get out of which I did appreciate out of not killing Ransom during the, the, the mutiny is the moment on Voyager's bridge where Janeway realized that she went too far. Mm, that's yeah. good. And Very like, belatedly. Yeah. And like, everyone's just kind of like when she's like, Oh yeah, yeah. We'll totally uh, take you back over here. Ransom. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No problem with that. And like everyone on the bridge just kind of looks at Janeway like, you know, you promised him to the fucking aliens, right? She promised the ship to the aliens. Yeah, but she knows. She knows what she did. The aliens weren't going to let him go. So, since we're getting there, what the fuck was up with Janeway in part two? I, I, I was here for it. I was all right. Yeah, that's true. I, I do just... love all, all of the Mulgrew acting and all of the Chakotay trying real hard to be moral about it. But, but I just, I, I like, what the fuck? She went from zero to psychopath in like five minutes. Yeah, I think, I think it's because she felt a personal betrayal. No, I know. It's kind of like with uh, Cisco and Eddington. You betrayed the uniform. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's basically her Eddington at this point. Yeah, But, but like, it's even worse than Eddington because he was he was not. I'm sure he killed some guys, but like he wasn't. You know, what, what Ransom does is just so ugly. And this is, you know, whatever you want to say about the Prime Directive, like this is literally the organization where if you accidentally screw up an alien life, you must lay down your own life rather than, uh, you know, non-interference. And he broke it in the biggest way. No, he, he yeah. cites this other rule that says, you know, if your ship is in danger, you can do whatever, you can use any justifiable means, is the quote. I love that. Yeah, just, just, just a, justifiable. He has justifiable a very is, different definition of what that means than Jane. Doing some heavy lifting, the word justifiable. Yeah, it is. Yes. Justifiable <laughs> is such a mealy-mouthed word in that regulation. Yeah, it's yeah. a tough word. Because anyone can interpret it however the fuck they want. 
But that's the thing with with though with Eddington is like Eddington was spread out over a couple of episodes. They had to put all that into one, and it just made her feel like her escalation was just too quick. And it really was just like, ah, had we seen this happening over the course of a while, I'd get it. But this is like, you know, fucking within the space of 35 minutes, she's locking what's his name in a room and waterboarding oh, yeah, with lesson, an alien. See, well, here's the, here's the thing, though. Like, I buy it for because, all right, in part one is when we find out about the alien torture and when she confronts Ransom about that, right? That was that was still part one. Yeah, because yeah. they escaped at the end of part one. Yes. Yeah. Um. So at that point, she's pissed off. At that point, she's like, she's already at a five. That's when she says they're lost and all that shit. And then Ransom escapes, steals the the Voyager's special shield machine, mm. and then leaves them to die, essentially. Mm-hmm. Leaves yeah. them to fend for themselves and runs off and also steals kidnaps Janeway's bestie seven of nine and yeah. unbeknownst to Janeway also steals their doctor and and, and then and they never him. realize that ever they in never. the show yeah, no. <laughs> no. um so I think I buy given that that that's where we are that she just went from a five which she already was at up to an 11 on the I want to fucking kill this guy <coughs> and and anyone who's ever met him uh <laughs> level yeah i want to i want to give you guys a little bit of backstory on these episodes because okay this is this is our our season five finale season six premiere and what happens between those two episodes deep space nine ends oh so this is now we're in season six we're the only star trek happening right now for the first time since fucking tng and we take on our good friend Ronald D. Moore, which I know our, our good friend Carl, who is here today, is a big fan of Ronald D. Moore, as as proven by his uh, his Battle Space Nine uh, podcast. Woot, woot! We we love we love a Ronald D. Moore around here. However, mm-hmm. Ronald D. Moore fucking hated Voyager. <laughs> uh, we'll discuss this next week when we actually have some Ronald D. Moore episodes that we're going to talk about. So you know, be looking forward to that. But he walks into Voyager room for this episode and basically says. Wow, I'm not going to last on this show. Spoilers, he doesn't. He fucking quits after a week. And he he says, all right, guys, I see I've seen part one because that happened while I was still on Deep Space Nine. I've watched part one. What were you guys doing with it? And their answer was, we don't know. Ah, Would they stop doing that? And Ronald D. Moore flips every table in the room, which I don't blame him because Jesus fucking Christ. And they say, "Okay." Well, what can we try to do to figure out where this episode is going? And they said, okay, well, what we kind of want to do is we want to make Janeway and Ransom flip. And Janeway will become more Ransom-like and Ransom will become more Janeway-like just in terms of like what ethics they're willing to part with and what ethics they're willing to reabsorb. Urge to kill, fading, fading, all that thing. So they do that in Ronald D. Moore. There's a whole essay that I, I meant to read, but wherever it got uploaded online didn't use paragraph breaks and it's unfucking readable so i may listen to it as a as a as an audio track later but it's just ronald moore just 
ranting about this episode and how they they set themselves up for failure and how they never capitalize on all these things they were supposed to capitalize on. And it's not even a bad episode. Like, I enjoy Equinox, but I think all of the things that they could have capitalized on, bringing on the fucking crew and never using them again, son of a bitch, right. is just stuff that I can see Ronald D. Moore after getting away with whatever the fuck he wanted in Deep Space Nine. To suddenly be back and saying like, oh, by the way, the producers watch our every move on this show and we can't get away with anything. Because of him, basically. Yeah. Because they realize what happened when they let Deep Space Nine run itself. Whoopsie. Yeah, and yeah, I guess I, he and his friend Braga like were were on the outs with each other for a while, and eventually they made up in all this. But it's like, man, you guys were like tight, and you guys, like, everyone on the Voyager writing staff had been friends with them before, and now it's mm. like, nope, we well, don't it's care funny. anymore. Like Ronald Moore and and Brandon Braga are like two sides of a coin because they're both very good writers, and they've oh, both yeah. written really great Star Trek episodes, and they're kind of cute. But, like, they take the show in such different directions, and they complement each other in certain ways, but also I could see them clashing uh, artistically a lot. It's like John and Paul. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah exactly. <laughs> Is there a way for us to somehow blame Rick Berman for driving Absolutely. the between them? Great, fuck Rick Berman. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what's really interesting, it's, I, I had no idea that, that Ronald D. Moore really had anything to do with this episode, and, you know, not not to spoil... Battlestar Galactica, but like... But a taste, a taste for people who are listening to Battlespace Nine with Carl. (laughs) I would say, you know, one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best arcs of that show is... Almost, almost directly cribbed, I would say, from this Extremely, episode. Extremely, yeah. yeah. The episode Pegasus, the Pegasus. and 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 yeah. any subsequent episodes dealing with that, because yeah. Battle Space Nine is more serial. Battle Space Nine is, it is yeah. Damn it! Every time I'm going to be at this wrong, then. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Well, then there's also uh, Razor, which mm-hmm. is sort of Look, the, the prequel. There's a long tradition of science fiction writers cribbing their own material. Hmm. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Takes enormous. That's a Philip K. Dick, not Philip K. Dick. No, that's a Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams takes huge chunks from a Doctor Who serial he wrote in the seventies. <laughs> oh wow, that's funny. Like I remember the first time I finally read it, I was like, "Wait a minute, I this is this is City of Death." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you ever read, uh, if you ever hear of, uh, if you ever get a chance to read the uh, the Lord of the Rings. Big ripoff from The Hobbit. Jesus I know. Mistake. What the fuck? Man. I thought yep. you were going to say, if you ever get a chance to read The Lord of the Rings, don't. Oh, <laughs> a lot of people love it. Oh, well, a lot of people like Elvis. A lot of people have a lot more time on their hands and yeah. patience. Uh, yeah. But one thing I was going to bring up, because one thing, and this isn't spoiling much of um, the Pegasus episode in... Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Galactica. Oh. <laughs> I got confused. I was like, what? Pe- that was TNG. What's going on? <laughs> nope. Yep. It's silly. Silliness. Silliness abounds. One thing that he does, only the mildest spoiler, is the captain of the of the other ship ends up outranking Adama, our main, oh, ha- yes. our main character on Battlestar. And in this episode, we meet Ransom. And Janeway says, I happened to look up because of course I did. Who has uh, the seniority here? And it me, bitch. And I wonder, like, what would have been the big difference if Ransom were an admiral or something? 
or right. Francis somehow could could say like I have the seniority for X reason. And that's a perfect example of what Ronald D. Moore does and is known for. He you ups know, the stakes, you, yeah. You know, Kane in uh, in that episode, the other Admiral Kane is played by uh, Michelle Forbes. Love her. Uh, who's awesome. Why and do I know that name? Ensign Rowe. Ensign Rowe. Oh, right. Thank you. And like from the moment like she steps onto the uh, Galactica's deck and she, and she goes, you know, this is, this. she does not have a ragtag fleet. She's just a, sh- a ship. But she sees the Battlestar crew and she goes, welcome back to the colonial fleet. And we, putting it in our mind, like, oh, right, because she outranks him, she gets to decide, or so she thinks, what the colonial fleet is. And she's going to say, like, there are more of you guys around, but I'm the one in charge because of the the rank. But, and it's but, it's a nice bit of uh, awkward adult yeah, drama. Yeah, dick waving. Is, is the president yeah. not there? Well, don't well that's the thing. Kane, yeah, well, Kane's not into the president. Yeah, Kane's exactly. Like, ah. It's, oh it's the you Secretary of Education is there. Idiots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's uh it's so good. But I have I have also come to realize though, like for better or worse, Voyager is at its best when it's basically like a more modern version of TOS. Like whatever they thought they were gonna do, they they stopped. And like the reason like one of the things I love about this episode is is that I just love the character of Ransom doing these vicious things. And then when he's not doing them, he slinks off and mm. like stares into his uh, screensaver for like hours on end. <laughs> like that. I feel that that's like a that's like a man who knows he's he's sold his soul. So it's funny because I remember when I was first watching this because they had mentioned the little poor man's holodeck in the first episode. But we, I don't think we really saw it much if at all. No, not in yeah. the first episode, I don't think. But then in the I was, second I was envisioning one, like a VR set or something. I was mm. thinking it was like one of those, uh, like a viewfinder, you know? <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> chin. Yeah. Oh, wow. The Grand Canyon. Chin. Oh, the beach. The big orange switch. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I was like, oh, I really wish they'd seeded the idea that he's like always using this thing in the first episode because it feels like it comes a little out of nowhere. It makes sense now because they had not had the second episode planned. Yeah, my last note is literally, I wish they'd established this beach thing in part one, but they didn't, I, I'm sure they didn't think of it nope. a season ago. No. Yeah. But what I, I did do like, now that we've talked about this and now I've got my new headcanon and reinterpretation that really it's all been Max this whole time. <gasps> he made it, a, he made it the game from the episode, the game. <laughs> no, well, yes, that's true. That's actually when she described it as like the game. Um, <laughs> but like just the idea that, Ransom is actually this sort of weak figurehead. Like, it wasn't really a mutiny under this interpretation. It was everyone already kind of knew Max was in charge. Hmm. He was just making it official, basically. Making the subtext text. Yeah, yeah. And, like, especially because, like, which one of you pointed it out, that, like, again, it was Max who was scanning the thing, like, huh. Stroke my beard thusly. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Uh, I'll be held responsible for this. Yeah. So, like, just the idea that he actually spent most of his time sitting around fretting, and it was like, you know, again, going back to the worm tongue thing, I said, like, fucking Janeway bursts in, all Gandalf the white, like, smacking him in the chest <laughs> with a pole. And he's like, oh, shit, I have been a dickhead. Which, again, I felt like his his turn felt a little quick, but in, in, in this new interpretation that you've helped me come to, it makes perfect sense, because it was really Max the whole time. Hmm. His turn is also interesting because it's right after, and I only read this in a book and was able to understand it from this, so maybe it wasn't as clear as I thought. After he watches the singing scene with 
EMH and Seven singing on the fucking torture bed. Yikes. Yeah, that was fucked up. Real oh, fucked yeah, up. That. And the effect that it has on Ransom is he realizes, oh, fuck, she's a person. I can't deal with this. And he goes into his screensaver. And that's when he sees her because it's the guilt eating him alive. And yes, I understand your metaphor yeah. show, but it's it's still nice yeah. to see. Also, too, it was it was Max who said something about fuel. And he goes, oh, is that the metaphor we're using? That now? was a good line. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's like even though I mean, he has been calling it a compound. So I don't know. I don't know what he thinks he's better. But I, well, you know, it's you're, is it? but you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a welcome. So this is the rare two parter, I think, where part two is notably better than part one. Not to ding part one, but it, I am just kind of waiting for the tables to turn mm-hmm. that whole episode. But like, you, you know, you get it makes I didn't know that this was Ronald D. Moore's like three days on the job. Week, but it, it it makes sense. Someone was tr- definitely trying to raise this, yeah, the uh, stakes, the, yeah, it, raise the uh, standards of the. Radio. Yeah, like it definitely feels like I kind of wish he'd been there for the first part because it probably would have been a bit more. Yeah, busy. but he was busy doing the finale of Deep Space Nine for sure. Throwing Ducat into a cave. Yay! <laughs> remembering Hot. to finish up that storyline in the last two yeah. and a half minutes yeah. of the show. Like, oh, oh shit, remember over here? <laughs> like it wasn't just like a post-credit scene. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's actually, it, it's it's such a shame that he's not going to stick around on Voyager. We'll see his, the two episodes he had his fingers really in next week, and we'll see, we'll, mm. we'll, we'll see if I eat my words. But mm. uh, I think he could have brought a lot of interesting stuff to Voyager, except he just decided to take his ball and go home. Yeah. yeah. Weirdly, one of the episodes has a villain called Big Roman. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will say, though, when the, it was weird to me, like, I feel like you had to do more than just delete the EMH's ethical subroutines right? to yeah, make I him loyal. To, it's like, I mean, all right, you've made it, you've gotten rid of my ethics, but, but the I logic still, is still there. Yeah, like I still am not loyal to your well, side. Say, yeah, you're not my captain. Yeah, you think he would be? And... Yeah, you think he would be furiously like the the exact thing as the evil EMH, but loyal to Janeway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, good. Now like, I don't have the ethical programs to not kill Ransom. Right. Yeah. Yay! It's like, oh, I switched, <laughs> you switched off my ethical subroutines. Grabs a scalpel, jams into his throat a thousand times. Yeah. And EMH they could have fixed that with the like they could have fixed it with like one line that say I deleted your ethical subroutines and also linked you to our ship instead. Yeah. Something. Also, I really hope they remember to put those back in. Nope. <laughs> nah. Because he, yeah, he just shows up at the end and is a good guy now, and it's just like... Well, that's that's that line. He's like, you know, uh, G7, maybe I should uh, put up my uh, security programs a little bit more. Yes, please. Why weren't those there I to begin just, with? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think well, he is a good guy yet in that final scene when he deletes the Equi EMH, because I don't think your, sub, your ethical subroutines would allow you to delete a sentient program. True. That was kind of yeah, kind of funny though. Evil MH is monologuing. Just delete this asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the equivalent of of Indiana Jones pulling out the, yeah. the pistol. Yeah, I I love that whole plot because it. I really think they should have spent some more time on it as well. But like the you know the, it should have been a four parter. <laughs> <laughs> the nope. doctor has this hubris like because of course he would like he calls up the equinox emh and he it never crosses his mind you know maybe this guy would be evil too maybe they fucked with him you know maybe this guy was actually in on the medical no that wouldn't happen i i, I trust myself too much for that to happen <laughs> and he gets mm. what he deserves which is like automatically like say what's that thing you're wearing oh you know it allows me to travel okay well you know they uh they they deleted my ethical subroutines whap 
And it's like, I always kind of don't like AIs talking to each other because it's, it's kind of like the original Cylons on Battlestar. It's like, they could be talking faster than that just to make themselves. <laughs> but it, it all, they just do it fast enough that it works. And I just love, you know, the doctor's hubris is always going to make him make the wrong decision. Yeah. Also, too, he's like, I, I don't like the idea. You just flick a switch and turn me into Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Dude, oh, do you yeah. remember that episode where you were Mr. Hyde? That's the joke. <laughs> like, you can't act like this is a shock. You did it to yourself once, you dumb prick. Uh, I did like her needling him about it being off key, though. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was cool. That was a nice little, like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're cool moments, but also, yeah. Kind of fuck you a little. <laughs> yeah, and I understand their their cool moment because Seven is a logical person. She understands that wasn't really you. That yeah. was a, that was a you through a filter that doesn't actually like normally exist. What did you guys think of the the final Chakotay Janeway scene when it's like the Are we cool? You you could have mutinied. He's like I should have, but I didn't because I was <laughs> pushed over. <laughs> I appreciated that it was a little awkward because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it should have been. Yes, but also Janeway. Croutons are part of a salad. <laughs> he's If he's yeah. replicating the salad, there should be... If there aren't croutons in it, he fucked up the salad. Maybe well, he's that's how up bad she before. feels. She's <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm bad, I've am i been a bad captain. I only deserve to bring croutons. Yeah, see, it was, actually, <laughs> it was actually croutons. a dig. It was a dig because the last time they had a party, Chakotay volunteered to bring a salad and didn't put croutons on it, and everyone hated it. Uh. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> I would totally love, like... You know, it's the fattest thing ever, but I would totally love just like, oh, there's there's a whole extra. Bo- I'm just gonna have a bowl of croutons. I would do that because there's so many. With just some they- cheese and some eggs. No, I would just, just that's croutons. a whole separate bowl. Just the croutons? Just no, a bowl of I mean, croutons. That's just, like that's just chips. eating. That's like, just stale bread. My yeah, dude. that's just eating some bread. That's just eating crackers at that point. Yeah, really nice puffy ones. Chris doesn't get a lot of carbs these days, so this is what he's been reduced to. <laughs> you know what yeah. sounds really exciting? A, a bowl, bowl of, of croutons. Oh that's exactly what it is. Oh my god. I really liked Janeway and Chakotay in this. I think that you know. last scene's excellent. Yeah, yeah, sorry, uh, back on track. Because the thing, the thing is, you know, if you kind of if you kind of break it down, like you know, obviously Chakotay is worried about the immediate threat, and he's he and is also correct, Janeway's soul, but Janeway <laughs> and Janeway's soul, but Janeway also, you know, she's looking at the big picture too. Like she knows these aliens are not going to let up until ransom is stopped. I don't think that's why she uh, does it. <laughs> I well, think. You know, I think that's one reason she does it. Not the I, I, not the primary reason. No, no. <laughs> but she has enough of a uh, basis to doing it, I think, that it becomes like a good legitimate clash between them. And uh it's kind of like the scorpion plotline. Like they they both they both would have operated better if they had kind of been on the same page yeah. a little bit more. But I, I do think, you know, even Chakotay, like after the torch, and f- I guess for the record, I should say, I, I think she goes, I, I think the torture scene is mutinyable. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Why do you uh, but I think, I think handing him over to the aliens is justifiable. Uh, so I don't know. What, what do you all think? So I was thinking about it. Like, I don't even think it's technically mutinyable at that point. I mm-hmm. think there's probably a regulation that says if your captain does this, they are no longer fit for duty. You are in charge. Right. Yeah. Like, that's not a mutiny. That's a, you are no longer fit for command according to Rule 8, Subsection 12 or something. Yeah. Uh, the thing at the end, though, I was thinking about that, because it's like, like, yeah, on the one hand, you know they're just going to kill him. But on the other hand, how many episodes have we had where it's been like, someone's been accused of a crime against another race, and it's like, well, it has to fall into their judicial system. 
Mm-hmm. And this kind of feels like, ooh, this kind of feels like it's that sort of like. Yeah. Based and on the precedent, she's supposed to hand him over to them. Exactly. And it's a combat situation, too. Like, how how many resources is she going to use protecting these assholes? Yeah. Yeah. Especially one that has committed so huge a crime. Yeah. When they're guilty of sin and, and, like, admit that they're guilty of sin. Like, I, yeah. like I don't think that she is required to, um, you know, I, I love that scene where, like, Tuvok is trying to be the mediator. And he was like, no, 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 we won't kill them. They will lose their freedom. Yeah, we'll put them in the brig. Tell, that's yeah. that's <laughs> not going to work. That's, yeah. they, need, they need blood vengeance yeah. or something. But yeah, like, I, I just, you know, I mean, there's been so many, you know, the time they had to go through the deeply corrupt Cardassian legal system to free O'Brien. Oh, yeah. The time they had to... You know, let Wesley get judged by the fucking short pants race or whatever they were called there. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were called. Injustice. Uh, you know, it's it's like short everything is, race. This is the guy we're not going to hand over to the people who he has wronged. Right. Yeah, I think the only difference is, I mean, in those cases, like Wesley and O'Brien were already in custody. True. This is kind of like, do we extradite our guy right. to to the place that's going to execute him? Uh, yeah. If he's doing horrible like experimentation on living beings for the sake of gasoline, yes, we do. Exactly. Every time. And this is kind of what's great about Janeway is she she gets, you know, even when she she goes wild and, and this show is good at kind of questioning like whether someone like in Janeway's position would go too far from time to time. And I think that like, even if like she ultimately arrives at the correct decision, which is, you know, there's no, there's no lawyers I can consult. There's no due process. No ship's uh, jag. I was going to say, no yeah. No ship's jag. You got Neelix. I think Janeway goes too far. I don't think she goes too far enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Futurama. Exactly. We got and, it in. And Chakotay, I think must at least acknowledge that like she was, she was thinking about the macro uh, the whole time, and he was sort of thinking about the the micro. Yeah, Even which is his job. What he, which is his job. And he, you know, don't forget, he was also the one who said, "Let's bring the uh, the aliens into this situation. Let's get the experts." Yeah, and that yeah. was that was a crucial idea. You know, that would yeah. not have they would not have survived without. Yeah, the, so it's you know two two good people clashing, but like the best of their instincts. Yeah. But for me show. though, I was definitely just like you know I'm 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 with I'm I'm with uh, the commander on this one. Yeah, he had a good scene early in Mm -hmm. in part two where they try really quick. They're like, Harry Kim, play back some squeaking noises. One of these things are here next. And they do and it doesn't work. And then Chakotay says, okay, next time, weapons down. And Janeway says, fucking no. And I'm thinking weapons down is the most Chakotay thing I have ever seen him do. Yep. Because it's the it's the moral thing. It's the I want to communicate with these people thing that he's always, always doing. Yes. Well, for, for him, the first contact is weapons down and trousers down. Yes. Let's not forget. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> is that what you were going to say? I'm sorry. Well, what I was going to say was like, oh, come on, Captain. You said I had to get my clothes on. Can we at least put our guns down? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah speaking of the aliens, though, I read a funny note that Braga, Braga's instruction to the visual effects team was, I want the creatures to be like fucking nightmare fuel. I want them to be the things of your, of your nightmares. But and the so first cute. time I see one, I was like, oh, it's adorable. It was really yeah. cute until we got that close up of its gnarly teeth. Yeah. 
That yeah, was it's creepy. cute when they're when we see them f- hanging out with their with their friends. Yeah, yeah, they're like arms. dancing around, like yeah, bitch, I fly, I'm cute. I thought they're well, friends. The, the desiccated yeah. one we saw in the first episode, it's it's silhouette because it was you know not quite final design and it was all shrunk up. It vaguely looked like Murph. Oh no! Oh, God, yeah. Like just Chris had a goes, oh god, nose. it's Murph, and you I know? was like, oh no. <laughs> Finally discovered what type of creature Murph is, but you would think that Janeway, of all people, would recognize him. Well, now hmm. she's not seen their earlier forms yet. That's going to yeah, be the big reveal in season three, Yay. too. It would, that, that would honestly be amazing. I mean, I know it's not going to happen, but that would be so great. It does look like a terrible way to die for this thing to pass through your face and uh, and instantly desiccate you. Yeah. I think uh, I think the uh, the little mummies were just uh, stuff they borrowed from the set of the 1999 mummy film. Looked a lot like the guys <laughs> after Emotep ate them. Oh, does look very 90s, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and like the CG on the things wasn't great, but I'll, I think it looked okay. Yeah, for, again for, for the, the time for the time for the budget. Maybe that's why they were still so cute because they didn't quite have <laughs> the capacity to like make things look real gnarly yet. There was, like, a little bit of, like, the xenomorph from Alien to mm-hmm. them. I agree yeah. Especially yeah. in the closer ups. Mm. But that little guy's cute, too. We love that little guy. So. But you know what? This is literally, I mean, this The Phantom Menace was released this year, right? Oh, snap. So yeah, that's it's 99. The level, so that's the level of uh, effects we're, uh, we're dealing. Actually, less, because this probably had less money than. than oh, way much. less. Yeah, yeah. it's a show. And time. Less time. So yeah. I think it makes sense. I mean, you, you could never, like. You, st- you, didn't, you still didn't even have the reference points, I would imagine. And even for all that it's infamous for leaning heavily on CG, even Phantom Menace actually did use a surprising amount of practical effects. That's true. You could fool me. <laughs> yeah, no, like a lot of... Th- th- there's a you, lot don't, of st- you never saw Puppy Yoda. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> but there's like... I've, I've seen whole things about how like a lot of stuff that people just assumed was CG as well was actually completely practical. And Lucas is still complaining about that. He's like, I had to use some practical stuff. I almost, I almost had it, but... Uh, but I couldn't wait for the effects to be better. Yeah. yeah he, he, he needed a, a Paul or a Braga or something also to counterbalance him. Yep. Hmm. Oh, one, one small mention that I noticed is that they say that Ransom was the one who made first contact with the Uridians. And you'll remember, we, we met a bunch of Uridians throughout Deep Space Nine. One of them was oh. uh, James Cromwell. Oh, those guys. Okay. Those the guys. The one that uh, gets stuck with the bomb thing with Quark that time? No, I don't know what... That's a different That's a different James Cromwell, though. Oh, yeah, but that was he, James that was, Cromwell, right? Okay. That wasn't... Yeah. We did see a yeah. bunch of James Cromwell. This was... Was this the one that uh, brought Worf to that planet of Klingon Romulan people? That's the one, yeah. Okay. In Birthright. Yeah, and apparently they were thought to have been extinct, I guess. Strange. By Strange even problems. the Borg. Because the, these guys were in the Delta Quadrant trying to make them into fucking fuel before they met these other aliens, that's why. So how, how big is Ransom's crew, really? 70 people originally, because he said okay. they had 39 and he'd lost half. Right. So yeah, it's a fucking... Between 70 and Cause, 80. Yeah, because yeah. by the end it seems like there's six. Yeah, no, there oh, was yeah. like no one left at the end. yeah. But yeah, so this ship started out with its full complement, half of Voyager's full complement, and then they lost most of them right. by the time we meet them. Right. And then it seems like he didn't get everyone off either. No. Well, some uh, people stuck with Max, right? Right. So. Yeah. Got everyone worth getting. So that's yeah. so that's why it's like so that's why by the end, like his crew fits on a jury. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like this is 
we've only got a, a handful of people. Cause you, and you were mentioning, I, I feel like there's a lot of crew members who we see for like two seconds mm-hmm. yeah. and never see again. And that's just TV. But I guess, I guess it does make sense. Like you, you just sort of, this is, this is basically a lifeboat's worth of people. Essentially. Max, the crazy fucker is like, we're just going to pile into a shuttle then. It's like, yeah, Max, you've lost. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, just give it up. You dumb fucker. I'm glad you're yeah. dead. Well, someone makes another comment early in episode one. I think when Ransom is still like half dazed and Janeway brings him out of it, he says, oh man, humans in the Delta Quadrant. I didn't realize it was a thing. And Janeway has some retort to that. And I wanted to be like, let me tell you about Amelia Earhart. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. There's surprisingly a lot of humans in the Delta Quadrant. There there was that whole bunch that were unborged by Chakotay's girlfriend. Yeah, there's actually way more than you'd expect. Too many. I mean, Seven. our Amelia Earhart planet has like a full so society yeah. of humans on it. Full of beautiful cities we never see, but trust <laughs> us, they're beautiful. Yes. <laughs> fucking episode. We have the best cities. Beautiful cities. Believe me. <laughs> any Any other thoughts or things before we move to the wrap? Not nearly enough mutiny. Mm. That was my final yeah. note. <laughs> is is it the poke rap? Is it the ninja rap? <laughs> what? The poke rap. Do the Bartman. Do the Bartman. Okay, everybody, we're gonna do the Bartman now. We're gonna do the Mario. <laughs> oh no! You put your hands on your hips oh, when you God, dip. I, are we doing the time that. warp again? I, I have to fucking. So the Ugh. problem is, I had no problem coming up with three. I hated. Really. But I've got five I like, so I have to call an audible. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Someone else yeah. go first. <laughs> yeah, well, I got... Good I got, season. Yeah, it was a great season. I got. I ended up with four on both the tops and the bottoms. And I'll start then. Okay, so start? We, ma- we make the rules. Do yeah, go the for it. Yeah, are we going to start, start bottom or t- No, we're tops? Starting, we start with tops in Voyager. All right, sounds good. Because I'm in charge. Yeah, All right, so in these charge. are my these You've are been Jane Wade. <laughs> these are my tops in, in no particular order. Uh, I'll give all four. Uh, no, you I'm can't a- give four. You I'm going to give four. Yes, you can. Only three are making the blog. That's fine, because you can, well, okay. You got to figure out which three are making the blog and which is the honorable mention. All right, fine. I only have three of each. I'll go first. Great. Go fine. Okay, so we tops first, you said. Probably sort of in this order. For, well, third, the second, then first. I really liked 30 Days. Oh, that's a good one. I don't know if it's, like, even really that great of an episode, but I kind of love, like, Tom being a naughty little boy but doing it for the environment. Yeah, you see why Torres likes him. It speaks to me as a child of the 90s, Mm. whose favorite films were things like, you know, Fern Gully and, Mm. you know, Once Upon a Forest and all that hippie shit. Counterpoint? Really? Yeah. What did you like about Counterpoint? Isn't that the one where we got the double blind guy? Yeah. Yeah, I just liked that. I liked the... I liked... How we oh, Janeway sure we playing trust him. him or not, and Janeway's playing him, and yeah. he's playing Janeway, but Janeway knows that he's playing Janeway, and I, I don't know. I liked it. Plus, he was handsome. <laughs> and then, uh, so, second place. <laughs> second place for handsome. Anyway, and my favorite favorite was Nothing Human. Oh, that's another good one. So that was a great fucking episode, and I love the, um, the question of, like, well, not that it's really a question. They're just kind of like, well, but he's a Nazi. Yeah, but look at all, all the great science he did. But it's like, yeah. And look anyway. how handsome. Yeah, he was also handsome. I forgot that. What a handsome Nazi, she said. Not for the first time about a Cardassian. <laughs> yep. um, That's what they do. But anyway, I just thought it was a really great episode. And I liked watching the doctor 
struggling with the ethics and whatever. So do you want my bottom now as well? Or do you guys do? No, we no let's all do Let's all get our tops right. done first. Great, and then great. and then we'll torture ourselves with the bottoms. All right. I'm gonna go next. Okay. Have you have you whittled it down to three? I have. Number three. Bride of Chaotica. Of course. It needs to be on to, there. By what law. A great episode. Yeah. Number two. Latent image. Mm-hmm. Which one's that? The one, oh, where um Doc finds out they scrambled his memories. Yeah, that's a great episode. Yep, yep. I will say to you, Counterpoint almost made my list. Oh, thank you. And betraying my earlier self. <gasps> wow. And even still kind of despising it, even though it's so good. Time zero. Course oh, I know oblivion. what it is. <laughs> yep, yep. Course oh, wow. oblivion. It makes me feel horrible. But that's its point, and it does it so well, and I fucking hate it, but I cannot deny that it's a really, really excellent piece of television. That's, that's a good reason. I like that. Wh- which one is this? Uh, the Silver Bloods don't realize they're the Silver Bloods, and they kill themselves. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is good. Yeah, yeah basically, like, apart. what happens when the Voyager crew doesn't have plot armor? Yep. Oh, yeah. this. It's like... It's it's the episode that I was reminded of one time for like a Christmas or a birthday or something. Somebody gave me an Erector set. Remember those? Mm. It was like little metal. Connects. Oh, yeah. No, no. The, like the, like the Erector sets were like uh, oh, metal an actual had, Erector set. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they actually had, like, had little like bolts. Yeah, I had and, one. Like it, I, it was a car, and I made mm-hmm. the car, and I want to say it was like it maybe even had a battery, but it was it was self propelled in some way. It might have been like a pullback thing. Ooh, I don't nice. know. But anyway, I. Built it. I was very proud of myself. And then I started moving and it was just like in a cartoon. It was moving very slowly. And as it was moving, little bits were like popping out of it. And like it went about five feet and then completely disintegrated into its constituent parts. Wow. That's a good analogy, Jake. It is. I I was at a child's birthday party where someone called an erector set an erection set and we all had a good laugh. Nice. I'm sure that happens every year. Yeah. Well, what were, you, what were your only once to me? What were your uh, <laughs> honorable mentions, Chris? Oh, I, the only, the only. Uh, oh, you mean the ones that Delta didn't make the list? You said uh, you had five, so. Yeah, I, I'd had Counterpoint and uh, Relativity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Both didn't quite make it. Well, I'll I'll really start with mine season. then, because mine, like, the only one that I am sure of is on the list is Relativity, because I fucking love that episode, because time travel and aims, fucking, you you got a winner right there. So Relativity, tippity top of the list. Making a quick judgment call on the rest. I'm going to say somewhere in there, I'm going to agree on Course Oblivion, because that's also, like, great Star Trek watching right there. And it's so sad, and I love the sad and I want to make sure it makes the list because I don't know if it's going to be on Jake's list. So I'm going to make sure to mention Drone because I also really like Drone. Mm, that's, that's a, a good great episode. Yeah. Yeah. Our new friend One played by uh, J. Paul Balmer or something like that. Our, something the Nazi it. from that other episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I like a him a lot. Nazi. The handsome Nazi. Son so of a many bitch. handsome Nazis. Well. <laughs> 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 Quick, Jake. Yes. Okay. This All right. Fine. I will go. How many um, handsome Nazis on Jake's list? So I will say, I. Strongly debated putting Equinox on this list. And then I realized that really the better half of Equinox is part two, which isn't season five. Fair. So I didn't feel quite right putting all of Equinox on here. I do like Equinox part one, but I don't know if it's top top three. So that's why Equinox is not mentioned. But yeah, I too many to, other good choices. I wanted to give it an, an honorable mention. All right. So I guess I'm going to have to make a time a game time decision here. I'm going to 
I was surprised when I was looking back at the episodes that I actually was like, you know, I'm going to put this on there. And uh, Timeless. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I know, like, it was kind of hit or miss that episode, but I think in the end, it's compelling enough that uh, that I'm going to include it. And and surly old Harry Kim is certainly is certainly worth it for Timeless. Oh, yeah. That's a the great sexiest, The there. sexiest Garrett Wong has been. Um, That's fair. It's also a damn good episode. And then my other two have already been stated. <gasps> um, Gasp. Relativity. Yay. So we have two. I have two time travel ones here. Good and, choice. Uh, and Course Oblivion. <laughs> Yay. Um, and I do. My other honorable mention that I do want to mention. I th- it might also surprise you. Gravity. Interesting. That does surprise me. Yeah. I actually like thinking about that episode and I I liked the performances mostly. Yeah, Nos is very good. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mention my honorable mention would have been latent image. Mm. But yeah, That's too many good ones yeah. to choose from. But does Carl have a a, a list for us? Any I do. It, this really is an excellent season, uh, isn't it? Like Caitlin, I have Counterpoint. Interesting. Uh, you know, I realize my favorite Voyager episodes are kind of the ones that would make really good short stories mm. that I haven't seen before. And like, I just, I, you know, I, I'm always interested when they come up with a new angle on telepaths, like the idea that you would find tele, telepathy horrible and something like that a fascist government would control uh, is interesting. Hmm. And like Chris, I have latent image, one of the best. I just, I just love endings like that. Like I can't get enough of like sad, ambiguous. Oh yeah. The ambiguity crisis. is nuts. Yeah. And you just, you just like that. And that, that poem from Dante he reads at the end it's like holy shit this is this guy's evolving and my favorite is Dark Frontier oh the, good, good, uh, good. origin the origin story for seven of nine Yay. Uh, I, the surprise which yeah, struck me as surprisingly great. plausible I for, had forgotten that she is Norwegian which I also am and <laughs> uh, I know you guys were kind of horrified by the concept of parents bringing their kids to live amongst the Borg <laughs> but I gotta say it checks out I know my people <laughs> <laughs> we would totally do that Oh, God. We would not want to deny the educational opportunity to Young Seven of Nine. (laughs) Those are some good choices, Carl. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you. But do we also have bad choices? We do. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I I wonder, I'm curious about what the overlap's going to be like here. Mm. Okay. So I will say that, as usual, like, if something that stands out to me, usually it's like, if I can remember it well, that's how I know it was either really good or really bad. And the ones that stood out to me as being really bad were thus. Third place, someone to watch over me. You're kidding. Wow. That's no. usually one of people's favorites. Yeah. People are dumb. <laughs> wow. Uh, second so, place. Wait, so why is that on your list then? Just because, like, it was just not interesting and I didn't like... This is the one where we're doing Pygmalion, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Because it's just Pygmalion and it's dumb. And the doctor doesn't have to fall in love with every pretty girl that walks into his goddamn medical office. And I don't know. I just didn't. Yeah, I mean, the thing I, I, I didn't fair. mention this when we were talking about Equinox, but the final moment, the final scene between Doctor and Seven just makes me ship them even more. <laughs> like how they're like planning to have a singing lesson in the holodeck. They're going to do Seems some like My Fair Lady. To me. Oh, yeah. At 1,600 hours. <laughs> boom, chick, boom, wow. That's business time. We're going to sing some very white together. <laughs> oh, that's great. Business time. Business time. I'll link to that song now. Mm-hmm. 11.59. I don't... What a fucking horrible thing. Terrible, meet cute, 
hated <laughs> Mr. Janeway. What a boring, curmudgeonly piece of shit. I hated it. And meat cute, the- more like meat shoot. <laughs> more like skeet shoot. <laughs> anyway, and uh, probably surprising no one, the fight. I am surprised. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised. Say, say no more. <laughs> yeah. Because what yeah. the fuck was happening? Yeah. Well, what the fuck was that? My bottoms. Good. Oh, good. but wait a minute. But as an honorable mention, though, and I will say this because I feel like you guys kind of liked it, and I feel like Carl and I were seeing a little bit more to eye, eye, eye to eye on this. I really didn't like Warhead, and Warhead was really close to being on my bottom because I thought it was stupid from the beginning, and even if they thought it out well, and even if Robert Picardo gave a great performance, which he did, didn't like it. Yeah. Thought it was dumb. You're you're allowed to have a different opinion. All of my opinions are bad. It's fine. I didn't say bad. I said different because I'm trying to be be more accepting of other people's wrong opinions. Um. If, it, if it helps, <laughs> if it helps, while I didn't, while I didn't hate it, I I was exceptionally lukewarm on Warhead. Mm. So bottoms, the disease. Mm-hmm. Yep. Too many plots, and they focused on the least interesting one. They did. <laughs> wow. oh, was that the love one where uh, yeah, love where is a disease? Henry gets a space STD. Love is a battlefield. But it, but it wasn't at a space STD. It, no, it, it was wasn't. But so, yeah. The fight, because Jesus Christ. The fight. And I'd like to point out, next to all my little, you know, I put stuff on my list, I'll put the title, and then little notes to myself as to why it's on the list. And you just and, wrote, the fight, duh. <laughs> well, yeah, the fight. Do I even need to explain why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but next to my number one worst episode, 1159, it just says in all caps, Henry fucking Janeway. <laughs> the worst. Fuck that guy in every direction. Well, she did. Shannon O'Donnelly mm. went ahead and did that. As so. soon as I said it, I realized what somebody was going to do when you two did it. We did it. Uh, so uh, bad. More so things bad. I'll do. I'll be the I'll be the one of us who doesn't shit on eleven fifty nine. I have other things to shit on. Fair. Yay. Because I need to shit on Infinite Regress. Ooh. Which oh, is the yeah, one that was bad. Which is the one where where Seven suddenly starts having all the other Borg people who've been assimilated take over like possess her and yeah. shit. Yeah. And it's just so disorganized and there's not a good reason for any of the things. And it, yeah. I remember I, I re-listened to our episode on it and I remember just having like every time something happened, I was like, why is this happening? Yeah. And then there's the really long mind meld chaos. Oh God, yeah. yeah, that. I didn't care for infinite regress. She was great. That though. was definitely under consideration. Jerry she Ryan was fine. Was amazing. Brent Spiner does it better in masks, which is saying something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> nothing nothing against, uh, against Jerry Ryan. But uh, other things against other people. The disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, no, there was nothing here. There was nope. no episode here. Nope. If, they, if they wanted these aliens to seem a- antagonistic, they were just nice people. <laughs> I don't we're understand this episode. <laughs> yeah, no. And also, we just treat Harry like a baby. Harry, you can't fall in love with aliens. Everyone else has done it already, Janeway. Fuck you. (laughs) Uh, And the obvious, the obvious uh, baddie of this season is the fight, because I feel so bad for Beltran. Mm. Because I actually like, I'm a Chakotay apologist. I, I... because people should have been so much. It's like, there's actually a lot of good in Chakotay. I don't don't think you have to be an apologist. Like, I think it's just people don't pay attention and realize he's consistent yeah. in his characterization, which doesn't always happen in television, mm. even good television. Yeah, and making him do this ugly dream sequence bullshit and just not good. Just mm. not good. No. How about you, Chris? 
mean Jake? Oh, you, Jake. I, I, put, I, I put the answers in the wrong column. Son of a bitch. Oh, okay. There we go. Weird. You're Jake. Yes. All right. Yeah. So I don't think mine will be a surprise because they've already all been said before. Wow. Um, so we're going to go with the disease. Good choice. Um, Bad reasons, choice. <laughs> reasons have already been talked about. I am going to shit on uh, 1159 just because it was, I thought, very poorly executed. It could have been better. Missed opportunities. And yeah, just and Henry Janeway. Yeah, total lack of chemistry. Yeah, unbelievable. So bad that that they would be a thing. And then, of course, surprising no one, the fight. That's a sweep for the fight. I did. I will say, I had considered putting on my list, and I'm curious what other people think about this. Extreme risk. Yeah, that was bad. Oh, that one sucks. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It just yeah no. The Balana plot was garbage. Yep. I think the thing that kept it off my list was that it it introduced us to the Delta Flyer, which which I'm like, yeah, okay. We have the cool ship building montage thing and fine. And the yeah. magic panel that ensures that only Tom will ever be able to fly it. True. Yeah, that yeah that's, an, that's an episode that I give a little credit because I see what they were going for with it. Whereas episodes like The Fight or The Disease, it's like, I don't even know if you guys understood this episode when you were writing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I can see where the idea was with Extreme Risk. They just really fucking blew it, frankly. Yeah. But yes, I can see that you, almost making a list. Well, I'm pretty sure my, my number three is wrong, but uh, <gasps> I, uh, I don't really care for nothing human. Not that it's even though it's great. You don't find that car, you don't find that Nazi attractive. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, he's not my type. <laughs> An um, unfuckable Cardassian in my Star Trek. No. Dream is dead. You've killed Chris. Uh, you know, it's unquestionably uh, well acted, mm. but I, I just think it blows the ending in a major way because it kind of raises some questions that it just comes up with like uh this the paddest answer to and then it brings up other questions which it ignores like the the Janeway forcing Balana to take that stuff is is like that's more interesting oh to yeah me. yeah uh, that's 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 a tough mm, situation particularly if your if your question is practically what can you do to stop you know Dr. Mangala's like where do you draw the line so I think I think it you know that would have been a really good Star Trek Deep Space Nine I think they would have really nailed it out of the park they would have come up with some solution that was unsatisfying to everybody but uh, <laughs> like, as we do in real life yes but yes. Uh, uh, number two I have Juggernaut I just don't really I'm just not that, you know, that into like Bolana's too angry kind of episodes um, well, especially because it felt like such a reversion yeah like yeah i find actually there are less downright bad episodes of voyager for me and more kind of pointless and and mediocre like when voyager is bad it's more mediocre than like horrible they're all ones that you say Uh, deep space nine should have done this one better yeah it's what they it's what the kind of like eh voyager episodes are because you see like oh if you'd made this serial or if you'd explored more character development like you really would have made this shine and you didn't I will yeah. maintain, though, that there's no fixing 1159. <laughs> yeah. Deep Space Nine couldn't have yeah. done that. Henry Janeway could have been anyone else. Well, it's Deep Space Nine did several episodes where, the, you know, they, they do that exact dilemma. You know, Kira has to go down with her old resistance farmer buddy and convince them to, like, sell out to the government. And it's like, it's just all uh, in the name of progress. And it's just like a million times more compelling. Yeah. Uh, Fuck, you're right. They did do 1159 better. I didn't occur to me. That's kind of a similar 
Shit, well done, Carl. <laughs> 1159 at least has the, the cool, like, what did your ancestors do book. I mean, that's kind yeah, of interesting to me. That B plot was but uh, outshined the A plot for sure. Yeah. But uh, anyway, number one for me is is Warhead for the reason Caitlin said. Yes. It just there's no reason for it to exist. <laughs> uh, you know, it's fine. But like, you know, you have it on in the background as you do something else. Well, uh, Carl, you know, on the one hand, everyone is entitled to their opinions. On the other hand, you fucked up the sweep of the fight. Oh, I no. Know. The, the, fight is, the fight is still swept. Guest stars don't make no, the I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I was going to say, you're lucky it doesn't wind up in the blog. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I feel like I was not prepared to stand in the fight's way. I would put the fight <laughs> forth, <laughs> uh, honestly. Mm. You know, that's, that's, it's just a sad day. Yeah. I still call yeah. it a yeah. knockout for the fight. Exactly. And that it should be knocked out. Uh, uh, All right. I, so those are our, our tops and bottoms. You can check them out. They're also going to be written up on our blog over at Tumblr, SSHBpodcast.com. You know the thing. I say this every week. Have you checked out our blog yet? Do it now. You can see all the screen grabs I grab for these episodes. You can agree and disagree on how, you know, some of these are shit and some of these maybe don't belong on the list. We'll see. We do have lots more Voyager to, to cover because we're entering season six. It's going to be a good time. We're going to jump into the first episodes of season six, Survival Instinct and Barge of the Dead. Check those out next oh, week. Oh, I kind of remember that one. Cool. Sorry. Yes, yeah, so that'll be next week. Meanwhile, I already told you to go to our Tumblr. I've, I know you've paused the recording to do that. So thank you. You can also check out our, our Facebook and our Twitter. They exist. And we'll see you next week. This has been Ames. This has been Caitlin. This would be Jake. This has been Turkey Platter. This has been BLT. Delicious. It's not. Apparently, Carl and I are dating. Okay.